Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an energetic but entry-level entertainment at the end of the season. It's time to look back at another champion campaign and start to sneak a peek towards an exciting summer with our besties, Lorne and Maddie. A bit of news to start with. It looks like we might be celebrating a new contract over the summer. Uh, what do you think, Punt? Load of old Thompsons? Load of old Twitter? Um, I don't know. I was really interested to see that the club had gone out quite early on this. And I think clearly it was going to be the talk of the summer because there was 12 months left for both Farker and Weber's contracts. And it's really, you know, it's properly well done from Stuart Weber to say, right, I'm going to address it early doors. I'm going to say what's going on with Daniel's contract. I'm going to kind of skirt around the fact what's going on with my contract and be really non-committal about the situation. And hopefully that will shut everyone up for the summer. And I think probably it's brilliant news if Farker signs a contract. Absolutely amazing news if he does that because um, he's proven himself this season to be a phenomenal coach that if he stays at this club for, you know, the next three or four years, then we should be really excited. But it kind of feels like Daniel Farker and Stuart Webber go hand in hand. And I'm still concerned that... Stuart Webber was kind of talking about, oh, well, I probably wouldn't leave Norwich in the lurch and, you know, I'd make sure that, you know, it was all looked after. And I thought, yeah, you haven't said that you're staying beyond this 12 months. And he is the the architect of everything. So as much as it is really positive and I think it's really well executed from the club, I'd still be, um, I'm still slightly concerned about 12 months time. But I'll worry about that in 12 months because we've got a Premier League campaign to enjoy. Would you rather Weber or Farker? If you had to pick one to sign a contract, which would you prefer? Daniel Farker, definitely. I think that Ooh, um, I'd go Weber. Yeah, I, I don't know. I no, I do know. I do. I, it's Daniel Farker. <laughs> I definitely know it's Daniel Farker because, as I, you know, for the reasons that I've just said, he's just proven himself. And you hear whenever the players talk about him, it's always glowing. When it, even if they're you know, saying, oh, he's got a real rocket in him or he's got a proper hairdryer if he if he needs it. They're still smiling when they say it. They really respect and really like a head coach. And actually, managerially, if you've been managing a football team for what we know, you know, kind of four seasons, that's a really difficult art. Um, so now I'd definitely go Farker. Um, I agree. But I, the reason I'd go Weber over Farker is, to use a Weber analogy, when he was talking about the youth team and the sort of signings that they make and the way that the youth team play a different formation, I think of Farker as a little bit like a really tidy defensive midfielder who can pass the ball really well, in that he's brilliant at what he does. But it feels to me like there are many more Farkers out there than there are Stuart Webbers. I think well, Stuart I Webber would, would say the exact opposite, and he's described himself as irrelevant today. But I think... And, and that's a, yeah, that's, that's a nonsense, and that that's you know media talk, and, and he's trying to downplay things. But I think there's, I kind of get the logic because what Stuart Weber has done is he's set up, um, you know, kind of re- recruitment set up. He's he's looked at you know kind of the training ground. He's he's set wheels in motion that will see this football club um, to a brilliant place in the next few years. Um, and you know, even if he walks away, um, it, it will still be all right. I'd much prefer him to be here because I think we could go on and do great things with him here. But I'm really, I'm less worried about the the medium term f- future of the football club. Whereas with Farker, I think, I don't know, I think he can only get better as a coach. I mean, he's still really young uh, as a, a manager and he's still, 
you know, kind of really raw at this level. I just think he's going to have a really good crack at the Premier League this time. And um, yeah, sky's the limit. Well, to bring uh, Maddie in, because she is here, honestly, um, <laughs> the it, obviously it's very difficult to choose between Weber and Farker because effectively they're both totally unproven um, at Premier League level, aren't they, Maddie? Mm. I think you're asking me to go between my head and my heart here because you all know that if I go with my heart, it's Daniel Farker any day of the week. If I could get him to stay, you know, until he's old and grey and retire at Norwich, that'd be the dream. But I think I agree with Lorne in that I, I remember Stuart Webber saying something along the lines of we have a got hit by a bus protocol. So if Daniel Farker decides tomorrow he won't come back for next season, Stuart Webber has a list of five or six people who can just slot straight back in and just do the job. And I think we'd find it easier to replace him, whereas someone like Stuart Webber, who's come and revolutionised things from the top down, how do you replace someone like that? And I know he's grooming Kieran Scott's takeover, our, our head scout, but I think the impact that Stuart Webber has had on this club, he does go hand in hand with Daniel Farker. Yes, of course, I'd like to see the two of them together. But my goodness, you can't overstate what that man has done for this football club. And we'll be feeling that for years to come. The infrastructure at the training ground, the academy, those shockwaves will be felt in 20, 30 years' time, all because of him and his team. And I think that's very difficult to replace. I was speaking to one of my friends today who covers Huddersfield, um, and we are talking about the Weber interview and Michael Bailey's article on it in The Athletic. And you could really sense the disappointment in him and he's not a Huddersfield fan he's a Brighton fan primarily but he covers Huddersfield and this sense of if if Huddersfield had just given Weber what he wanted when he left to come to Norwich then that this could be them type thing and I think that is right Farker is more replaceable I don't disagree with you Punt in that he's amazing and it would be amazing to keep both of them but it feels to me like Farker is more replaceable than Weber um the guy I was speaking to described Weber as gold dust. And I think that's that's right in a football sense. And it shouldn't be the case that someone who's just sensible is such an outlier in football. But Weber is such an outlier in football in terms of he's, he's, he just gets it. He understands how to run a football club to be successful. I, and I think he's irreplaceable. I think you, again, though, going back to the fact that neither of them have managed to prepare and execute a Premier League season successfully, um, it's a very different conversation halfway through um, this coming season in the Premier League if we're looking like we're going to be safe because then all of a sudden Weber's CV is that much better because he's finally done what he didn't do at Huddersfield because he was interrupted and he didn't do last time at Norwich and he has you know sent a team to war with a gun instead of without one last time um, and likewise I, I think you're really right Lorne around um, there are lots of hired hands you can get that can come in and do a job from a managerial point of view and, and fit to it to a mould um, but again I almost think that's more true if Farker keeps Norwich up next season than it is currently, in that getting promoted from the championship is really difficult. There are not many clubs that have done it twice in short succession, let alone managers that have done it twice in their career. So there's a particular type of manager that can galvanise, create a group of players who can't be all world beaters, otherwise they wouldn't all be in the second flight, even though we probably had more than our fair share of excellent players this season compared to most championship squads. But when... When we can establish ourselves in the Premier League, whether that's this go around or in a few more goes around in the future, 
that's at the point where you have to get the shrewd appointments right, but there are more, um, it's almost slightly easier to, to appoint the right manager in the Premier League than it is in this kind of in-between area where if you if you get it wrong, you can be in the wilderness for a long time because you've mm. got to use that parachute money while you've got it. So I, I've, I've kind of said, I said this time two seasons ago, I wouldn't be surprised if Farker walked. And and again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went this summer. Um, I would prefer he didn't, but there is an element of um, if he has the opportunity to do something that is a sideways move, but with a higher ceiling or a slight a slight increase move in terms of stat- status in terms of clubs, so somewhere in Germany, somewhere in Spain, maybe. Um, I can see him doing that because then he walks out a hero. Whereas if we go down, even if we go down only by a goal difference on the last day of the season, and, and it's a valiant effort, it's not quite going to be the incredible story that it could be. And, and on your point, Maddie, of, of 20, 30 years time, if these two can keep us up next season uh, and we we almost then have that extra wad of cash to really double down on the foundations that they put in place with Colney and the other things, then I think you're right. I think we genuinely could be looking at 15, 20 years worth of of, of, of building on that sensible model because the model's then been proven to work. So anything else that comes in can be, can be celebrated. But it is an interesting one. I, if I had to choose one or the other... I'm with you. I, I would go with with Weber. Um, I feel that he's. I think we're more likely to keep him as the club develops. If we stayed up, I think there's more of a chance that Weber stays and kicks on and says, "Okay, well, let me see if I can build a mid t- mid Premier League team." And then, oh, okay, two or three years time, let me see if I can build a a European challenging team. I see that's more likely to happen. Where Farker, if you have two, we've seen it with with Lambert. If you have a, a decent season, then follow it up with half another decent season. As soon as one of the medium to big clubs start to wobble, they're coming calling. I think to round off on that, I think my, or to round off my view on it is I can see Daniel Farker managing a top, top club at Champions League level. I can't see Stuart Webber as brilliant as he is, I can't see him reaching that level of the game. And I hope I'm wrong because as Lonnie says, he's he's completely common sense. He's straight talking. He runs a football club, you know, pretty much as, as we'd expect a football club to be run. And, you know, kind of on top of that a little bit more, you know, he, he kind of extracts a bit more. I just, I don't think that we're, and Maddie, I'd put you to one side for a moment here. I don't think we're appreciating what we've got in terms of Daniel Farker as much as we should do at the moment because he is a very special head coach slash manager, whatever we're going to call him, and he will be remembered among the Norwich City greats. Um, and I don't think we should forget that. But Yeah, but there's a difference between not forgetting that and also saying that the, the question is more on how is, is the kind of hit-by-a-bus policy. You know, it's, it's more... It, and I just, think he'd be more difficult to replace. I think you could drop Kieran Scott in Stuart Webber's role now I think any other head coach that you bring in would have a really difficult act to follow. Oh, well, that's true. You don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. You want to be the guy yeah. that follows the guy that follows the guy. Um, <laughs> like the old, the, old, the old David Moyes issue. Um, okay, so whilst we're in, you know, so that, that's a little bit of news. Let's let's look at the fact that the season has ended. You know, we have finished champions. We've got that lovely 97 points. I don't know if anyone else keeps staring at the table lovingly, but I, I just I just want to soak it up because I know I'll be 
looking at the other, you know, waiting for the page to refresh on on teletext or CFAX next season. I'm expecting to be towards the bottom more often, so I'm really enjoying it while I, while I can. Um, 29 wins from 46 games, incredible. Um, but obviously, we've been blessed with all the content, all the the looking back, the the behind the scenes videos this this season, um, and and it's been great in terms of the access we've had from afar. But what I wanted to ask you guys, and I'll start with you, Maddie. Of all the moments that we've had in this vintage season, um, which which do you think haven't actually got enough recognition? G- give me an unsung moment. Well, that's difficult because I said in our group chat before we started recording that any awards we give out, I want to give to either Jacob Sorensen or Daniel Farker, such is my own personal bias. So instinctively, I want to say Jacob Sorensen's goal against Forrest, I think it was. I was there for that and it was fantastic. He sort of capitalised on the defensive error. But I think... Another one of those games that fans were able to get to, Tyrese Omotoye came on in like the 93rd, 94th minute against Sheffield Wednesday. We'd fought really hard to um, come back and we were, I think, 2-1, 2-0 up, something like that. He comes on, he gets the ball and he runs it straight to the corner flag. And you look at this kid and you think, that's ridiculous. The maturity, the the head on his shoulders, you understand why he's around the first team. And I, I don't know if he got enough praise for that, because how many youngsters would come on and have the maturity and have the understanding that I don't need to be a hero, I didn't need to make the headlines, I can just see it out, I can act for the benefit of the team. So yeah, on the toy for me. I'm going to... I'm going to disagree with you on that, um, and this, <laughs> Big is, shock. this is one of my this is one of my many pet hates um, about football, like the first hitting the first man on a corner. But oh. it, I I don't think it's in any way worthy of praise for a player to come on the pitch and understand that with a team leading by one goal with 30 seconds to go, run the ball into the corner because, and I say this because he has been coached to play football since probably the age of seven eight nine and he knew how to do it you as far as I'm aware have never been coached to play professional football and you recognized that it was the right thing to do so you had the maturity to understand how to do that and you're not a professional footballer so I'm not really sure why we praise professional footballers. Yeah, for but doing we're also not in the game environment. You know, he's, he's young. Which it's makes his professional it debut. He's, you know, and there's fans. He's playing in front of fans. I think it's a good point because it's about, uh, it's about, but also it's the, it's the fact that a young lad came on and, and during that period of us having to have, you know, about basically we had a kindergarten on the, on the bench for a few games, didn't we? Um, and um, there was a bunch of names that we didn't feature in any of our, pre-season you know, um, predictions and what have you and then they're all on the bench for for, for, for a couple of months and um, so it's part of that and you know I, I don't think you can say that actually um, Maddie's unsung moment was sung you know it wasn't sung I think you're right to, to bring it up and and I, I totally get what you're saying like when you're when you come onto the pitch in on your debut then yes if you're a seasoned veteran then so much goes out of the window in terms of your training and your conditioning because you finally it's happening. And, and as Maddie says, it was a weird time with actually having fans there. So I think it's a good shout. So um, I'm going to skip you, Lorne, for, for for being unkind to Maddie. So punt your, <laughs> punt your turn. Oh, thanks, Tom. Punt your turn. I, well, I actually had two. And one of them was from the same game that Maddie's referencing, which was Josh Martin's equaliser versus Sheffield Wednesday for that game. Oh, what a yeah, goal. But, but, what he's, a goal. but he's been coached since he was young. Well, yeah, he's been coached since he put the ball in the, in the bloody goal In hole. fact, we, we shouldn't um, ever cheer any goal goes in because they've been trained to do that. So we shouldn't uh, be surprised they've done it. mad. Uh, I see where this is heading and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was. He lives for the drama. 
it's barely talked about anymore. And actually, this was early December. This was in the midst of, as you rightly say, you know, we had a bench which um, probably had an average age of about, you know, 20, 21. Um, And for him to come on, and he'd only been on the pitch, I think, a few minutes as well, and to grab what was a vital equaliser to keep a, you know, kind of a, a decent run going at that point, when we had the likes of probably Michael McGovern in goal, um, you know, kind of cruel, I think was out with, with COVID or an injury. Kintia was out, you know, so we were playing Sorensen at left back. Campwell didn't start that game. Kenny didn't start that game. It just felt big that we got the win. And, and I actually refer, I did write down as well, because I did do some prep for this pod for once um, about Tyrese Omotoye. So I'm, I'm completely with you, Maddie, um, you know, in terms of that being a particular moment. Um, the other moment I had was um, Xavi Kintia's goal against QPR, I think it was. Mm. And it was just lovely that he went straight to the subs and jumped on, I think it was Steeperman or Sorensen or someone like that. And then everyone kind of mobbed him. And it was really clear that one, that this guy was a proper part of the squad and he was really well liked, but also that that squad, and of course they're going to be because, you know, they were top of the league and romping to the, the league title, but they were so well bonded and you don't see that that often in football teams i think so um that was something that wasn't celebrated enough alorni would you like to give us anything that you were surprised as someone who's been trained to play football all their life did <laughs> no i wouldn't okay I, I will then so uh, there's one that's similar to you in terms of a young lad um the barley mumba uh, substitute appearance where he came on and changed the game um, and then didn't really do much before that or after that in the season. But remember that when when for for twenty minutes the best player on the yeah. pitch was someone who had just been bought on and and That's then hardly you know. And I th- I thought that was really really impressive. And it was it actually featured. I I did the it was one of the reasons that I picked him as one of the the players I did for the thank you messages because I thought well I, I think that needs he needs to he needs to know that that some fans particularly will remember that he played a key part against what turned out to be a promotion rival. It was a ma- massive game. Um, and, and the other one... And from left back as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and his position. the other one, uh, I because I, yeah, similar to punt, I, I like to have a couple up my sleeve. Um, it was a it, completely inconsequential, but I want to mention it because I'm, I'm so upset for him that he's missing the Euros. Um, there was a particular um, slide to the byline to keep the ball in that Kenny did, um, and it was probably late February, early March, um, you know, so it was already starting to feel like, you know, promotion was pretty much, you know, going to come. It was more a case of when, not if, but e- even though we were already winning the game, and, and I'm afraid that this specific game does does escape me, um, I, the fact that he was sprinted and slid um, to just keep a ball in play, to just keep the metronomic passing going, um, I thought was just archetypal of the fact that he didn't give up in the games where we weren't playing that well, he was very, and he was on the pitch. He was very, very rarely someone who could, I thought could have any criticism. I thought he was underrated early on in the season. I think it took too many people too long to realize how crucial he was. Um, I mean, kind of in the middle and, and I'm so pleased that he got the plaudits that he deserved. Um, absolutely devastated for the lad that he's, that he's not going to the Euros because um, any team, you know, outside of the top, maybe three or four at that tournament would benefit from an engine and a and a drive that that he has got. And Can I, I just, re- um, re- really hope that he's involved next season for us. 
Can I just come in on Kenny a little bit? And this is just uh, a little secret for, for maybe next week. So only podcast listeners will get this until we release it on Twitter. So a lot of people will have seen that we are auctioning off three um, match-worn player shirts from the game against Reading where, where we um, sealed the league title. Currently, we've got Tim Cruels, um, which is being auctioned. I think the current high bid for that is about 580 quid something like that so that's brilliant there'll be loads of money that will go to to a local charity because of that but we've also got Kenny McLean's as one of the other two that we're auctioning off and you talk about his engine and how much it, he runs it absolutely <laughs> stinks right? and I don't mean in a good way of like beer or mad dog 2020 it reeks like proper reeks so I have I'm not washing it it's firmly put away in the in the parcel little post bag um so that it, it doesn't stink out the house but um yeah it'll be interesting to see whoever whoever buys that whether they actually give it the authentic wash or, or whether Absolutely. they keep yeah, it authentically you, you, um, yeah. you need to get a, a kind of smell proof frame I, I will be um which which charity have we decided the kenny one's going to so kenny there is a choice of two that i have in my head at the moment that i was going to put out in the whatsapp group so let's discuss okay. that because you because just, just uh, it will be done completely above board, but you you will be up against me for Kenny's shirt. Whoever's whoever's coming in for me, well, um, yeah, mate. You you need some kind of yeah, like kind of some sealed frame that um, will not. Oh, mate, honestly, it's it's wrong. <laughs> it's proper wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's and, Tim I know he didn't have a lot of work to do that game, but lovely, absolutely lovely. Yeah, that's not surprising. Okay. No, so, it's not. so yeah. So on on the on the Kenny side of things, that brings us on to the next kind of end of season review that I wanted to do, which was probably in terms of things that go down in history, um, we're going to have to have a hell of a season in the future if we are ever going to have as many people who can have a damn right good reason to be cross they weren't in the Barry Butler final three, um, and so Kenny I think is in that category. Um, I'd love to hear who else you think has got a really good reason to be upset that they weren't in the final three. Lorne, let's come to you first. I genuinely think you could probably make a case for all of the kind of the regulars at this point. Um, I think the the question that you you asked was who's the most unlucky, and I would probably say Tim Krul, just because he was an excellent championship goalkeeper last season and his level last time we were in the championship and his level has gone up again. Some of the sort of early on games of the season where he kept us in it with a save where it was, we were either level or one goal ahead or one goal behind, I think in a Rotherham just before the international break. I think he was an absolute key cog in that team reaching the heights that they did and to not get in the top three is, is incredible. Um, the same is true of Timu. Obviously, 25 goals in a team that wins the league and you don't get in the top three of a player of the season vote is testament to just how good a team this team has been. So I, was, I would say cruel, but you could easily make a case for any of them. I was really surprised about um, about Pookie just because... Um, and, and maybe, actually, it, it is, in a way, a a compliment to the Norwich City fan base and how far we've come from kick up forward um, when Farkball first started with, let's have it right, not quite the squad to play it um, a few years ago in that actually we're now appreciating not just the shiny things. You know, we, we've got the, the spine of the team represented by, by Skip and Hanley. Um, and it isn't, you know, because the obvious thing is, well, who scores all the goals and then who sets up the goals and scores the goals. So, yeah, fair, fair play to Emmy that had to, had to win it. But maybe that is a sign that we, we appreciate 
appreciate other things. Um, what about you, Madster? Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree with what you're saying there, that we've almost moved on from you know picking whoever our top scorer is. But I also think it's a case that people like Temu, we've had him now for three seasons and we've sort of just become accustomed to what he does. You know, we're now so used to having this goal scorer who's going to get 11 goals in the Premier League and 25 goals the season of the Championship. And you forget just how difficult it was before Pookie came along. You know, we had Cameron Jerome, we had Nelson Oliveira, Dennis Shabeni and every transfer window it was sign a striker, sign a striker, sign a striker. So it's almost we've almost forgotten how difficult it was for a Norwich City team to have an out and out um, goal scoring striker but then also I think I'd make my case for Max Ahrens he, he's another one who I think almost flies under the radar now again you know he's 21 years old he's played over 4,000 minutes of football this season which is just absolutely ridiculous and when you think about his breakthrough season in the championship the last time he won the title he's better now he's taken it to a whole nother level he's got that Premier League experience he's gone up against some of the best attackers in the world and he's brought that skill down to the championship and he just looks phenomenal the way he bombs forward the way he works with Emi Buendia so I think him and Pookie have suffered a bit from perhaps going under the radar. I mean, we all know how brilliant they are, but when you have Emmy Buendia, who's who's never been um, up there for the Barry Butler, it is sometimes easy to forget those two. And so, yeah, for me, I think Max should have made the top three because just he is a talent. And if we keep hold of him in the summer, it'll be a coup. Um, what about, I think there'll be a coup to sign him. Um, go on then, uh, Punt, weigh in. I'm completely with Maddie here. So it was, I mean, it's really obvious to, to say Timo Puki because 26 goals in the championship means you should be in the top three pretty much in in any season. I know we've started to take his goals for granted and I think Maddie's bang on the money that actually it is just so difficult to have a striker like him and a striker that works so hard. But it it was definitely max for me because... It's the relentless consistency. I mean, you can't name a time when that lad has a bad game. There might be the odd mistake in him, but hardly any. And he's always, you know, kind of a seven, probably an eight out of 10 most of the time. It's just, he's so good. He's definitely, I mean, I said it before in his breakthrough season, I thought he had the potential to be the best right back I'd seen play for Norwich City. He is the best right back I've seen play for Norwich City now, without a shadow of a doubt. It's quite a big shout. Over Darren Kenton. Yeah, that well, I'd see. I think Darren Kenton's strongest position was centre back. All right, I hear that. Do you think that? But yeah, do you think that Darren I, Kenton was better at centre back than Grant Hanley? Yeah, um, no, I mean definitely not. Darren, Darren <laughs> Kenton had some. Reasons. Darren Kenton had a shocker of a couple of first seasons. He was terrible, and then he became semi good. For the exact same reasons in terms of you know what you're going to get week in, week out. It's going to be a 7 out of 10 performance. You could Ben Gibson can come into this discussion quite easily as well mm-hmm. as someone yeah. who massively improved the team as a whole with his presence and his performances, the way he progressed the ball. I don't remember him having a bad game or even making a mistake. I don't remember a mistake of Gibson's. So for him to not be in the top three... You could easily make the case that he deserves to be in there. That's well. a really good shout. What was the goal that you celebrated the most this season? What was the one that really stands out to you um, in terms of either the weirdest place you ended up celebrating a home goal this season or, or something that's really memorable? We'll start with you, John. Um, I had to really think about this one because the season almost merges into one. Um, you know, because I've been sat on my ass on my sofa, um, 
watching from exactly the same place for most of the season. But I think the one that that will probably live longest in the memory, and it, I'm harping back to the same game, and it's you know probably the only game that I, I recall with the level of clarity required to talk about it, is Max Aaron's goal against Sheffield Wednesday because it just felt like that was the start of when I started to believe, right, I think we're going to go on and, and win the league. And if we're not going to win the league, we're definitely going to come second. You know, it feels like we're going to get promoted here. And it was a comeback victory. It was Mario's delicious back heel into Aaron's and then Aaron's with a, a tidy little finish. And it was one of those ones where the puppy was sleeping, I think, in the crate in the next room. And I got told off for waking the puppy up. You know, it was one of those kind of moments where you just, oh, shit. Yeah, I did celebrate that quite hard. And actually, it because I felt quite detached from football this season, as much as it's been great to watch the the wonderful football that we've been playing, we're not there and there's no fans there. But there were there were a few fans at this game. So you could kind of feel the murmur and then the subsequent celebration. And it, and it felt on TV like it was a proper fan celebration, probably because of the, the proximity to the microphones. Um, but at the same time, it just started to feel like normal football again. So that'll be the one for me. I remember that one as well because I live fairly close to Cow Road and I was sitting in my back garden and I was talking uh, to my next door neighbour about the fact that I could kind of tell what was going on at the football because I could kind of read the crowd noise. And as I finished that sentence, I heard that goal. Amazing. And it was the first, <laughs> it was, you know, it, it's the first time that I'd heard that sound, well, in years, because obviously normally I'm at Cow Road, but to hear a crowd celebrate a goal was was a really cool moment um for, i thought of this earlier and like john i i couldn't really think of any because i've i've kind of watched all the games from the same spot on the sofa but i did have a kind of weird and nice moment on the day that we clinched the title in that it's a it's a, a dull story but essentially i was clearing out the flat of a man who had recently died who i was friends with and i was doing it with my dad and we were driving to the tip when Reading scored and took the lead. And then we just got back to the flat when we equalised and we sort of fist bumped the equaliser. And it was the first time that I'd celebrated a goal with somebody who cared about it um, for a long time. And then for the second and the third to go in and kind of to know that that was kind of done and to be with my dad at the time was, uh, was quite a cool moment. So it was a weird place because I was in the flat of a dead man. It was a really cool moment because I was with someone who cared about it as much as I did. Yeah, it sounds like it was nice to have have that kind of human human interaction because I've you know I've I've been lucky that you know I've got got kids here that will will celebrate if I celebrate, but they don't really really know what's going on. Um, going back to what you said, Maddie, earlier about us just taking Pookie for granted. If I celebrate, Joey will sometimes shout through from the other room, Timo again. It's like, yeah, yeah, it is again. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's again. Um, but but yeah, what, what about you, Maddie? What's a, what's a memorable goal for you? Well, I think going on what Lorne said, there are two for me. The one that I actually physically celebrated the most was Josh Martin's against Sheffield Wednesday because I was lucky enough to be in the ground for those three matches in December. So being there with a mate, and seeing it go in, that was the first goal I'd seen at Carrow Road since February 2020. So it was just, it was incredible. Wow. It was, I think, an 84th minute goal, something like that. So and because it was one of the youngsters as well, it was just absolutely fantastic. But I think the goal that I celebrated the most at home, because other than that, 
all the matches at home. There's no way I'm leaving the house with the footballs on. It was Pookie's hat-trick penalty against um, Huddersfield. Because, nice. again, for sentimental reasons, we were my whole family were in the living room watching the football. And that's not normally how it happens, because my mum and my brother don't give a damn. So normally I watch it upstairs in my room, but we just got on Sky, so we all sat down to watch it. And Pookie scored the hat-trick penalty, and I'm, I'm racing around the living room going, he's finally got a hat-trick, he's finally got a hat-trick. And my brother, who sat at the computer chair, hates football, is always ragging on Norwich, just goes, you're actually pretty good. And that was... It was such a wonderful moment to just have everyone there and everyone was really up for it and getting excited. So, yeah, Pookie's hat-trick penalty was... It's nice that everyone in my family will remember that and not just me. So it was really good to have someone to share that with. Yeah, it's interesting how, how many people pick out connection because this is, as, as Punt said earlier, it's a season where we have been so disconnected. Um, I thought it was also funny how two of you said, you know, well, you know, cause I can't, they all merge into each other because I've been in the same spot for them all. You're in the same spot for all of the home games when you're there as well. <laughs> you always sit in the same seat but or stand in the, the same place. The weather's different. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, they're okay. in with Delia. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is true. Um, Don't be bitter, be better. Yeah, no, we. Uh, I, I remember. I, well, okay, if we're going to go back to mem- memorable goals when we've been with Delia, I remember celebrating. Was it Hull? Uh, Chris Martin came on as a as a late. It sub. was Hull, yeah. That, that, that yeah, was that was one of the we games. At. One of the games we were at with them, um, and yeah, that was we 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 either got a, a late. Was it that was the guy game where I think Steepy scored a really really nice one. Scored run. early, and Emmy scored, yeah. and then it was the. I'm pretty sure it was the Buendia kind of weird back heel out of the air to yeah. Timu and then Timu back heeled it back to Emmy to score. It was a game where Mo Lightless hat got passed along the Barkley and into the... Yes, yeah, yes was, we couldn't work was. out what was going on from from the director's box. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> God, did do well to, to make us seem like we're not idiots so uh mate we, we that happens every week oh, <laughs> right. that. how long has this been going what's this episode 73 yeah. or something? they haven't worked 70, out by now for fuck's sake stop sale, listening mate. yeah 78 That's right like, yeah usp so now uh last thing we're going to do from a from a looking back point of view and then we'll do some looking forward uh which player coach or exec would you most like to spend a three-month total lockdown? So, unfortunately, the Indian strain gets worse and worse and worse. The, 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 the sporadic local lockdown has happened, and it's in the Norfolk area. You're completely locked down for three months. So, it's basically you can't travel anywhere other than like a very short 15-minute walk outside your house. Um, you can choose one person. If your house is empty other than you and this one other person, um, which player, coach, or exec are you going to go with? Blorney. Stuart Weber. So, I think... He's just like where every time that he talks, I want to listen to what he's saying. Uh, so I'd be quite happy just to sit and listen to him talk. I also think that he'd quite like a lot of alone time. So he wouldn't be on top of me all the time, which would be uh, useful. But yeah, I think Stuart Webb would be the most interesting to spend a long period of time with. I'd follow that with Farker second because, again, he just seemed like an interesting guy to talk to and just a nice person as well like he wouldn't be a dick well if you want so. if you want to talk to him you'll have to ring him because he'll be in maddie's house right Matt? i know you all think i'd go for farker but i actually think i would just genuinely be too starstruck for the whole three months i'd just be hiding away i wouldn't even be able to say anything mm-hmm. and i did think about weber but i thought he'd sort of bug me to aim for self-improvement he'd be like come on it's six o'clock let's go for a run <laughs> or why are you just laying around watching tiktok you know let's let's do something let's learn a language let's do this i just you know i'm not here for that energy three months lockdown should just be lounging around doing nothing so i think to be particularly gen Z, i'd want to go for someone around my own age so probably maybe like max aaron's todd cantwell because i feel like they'd sort of 
get the vibe you know they just they'd leave me to do my own thing but they'd be there to you know maybe play fifa with or watch tiktok or whatever so yeah i'd go for someone around 2021 what about you punt um i didn't think too long and hard about this one but it's interesting that lorney went straight to wanting not was it did you want Stuart Weber on top of you or you didn't want Stuart Weber on top of you they they were I, I want him on top I want him on top of me a bit but not for three months <laughs> okay but I, I'd, I'd also really like that thing that Maddie was talking about and I think she's absolutely right in terms of he'd be constantly on at you for self-improvement yeah. I yeah. would want to come out of the three months better than I went in so no, I'm, I'm totally with Maddie I'm totally with Maddie well, I, that lockdowns are just to be lazy bastards like it's yeah. that's absolutely what it's for um but the other interesting thing is that i went for someone around my age maddie's gone for someone around her age so if you're going to do the same it's got to be michael win jones yeah <laughs> i knew where he was going from the first so word. simple so good. <laughs> you done come on pump yeah go on. you go your turn i was gonna go for um ben gibson and only for the fact that Having listened to him on the official club podcast and looked at him or, you know, kind of around those training videos that you see, he just, he comes across as the kind of guy who, if you're a little bit down, he might chivy you along. He'd have good stories. Um, yeah, he just seems quite positive and a pretty good human. So I think I could probably spend three months with Ben Gibson. The downside of that is he's injured. So you'd be, you'd have to like be a butler. No, I could I could help him with his rehab like for an hour in the morning before I then go back to whatever video game I choose to play later on. I'm pretty confident he'd have a little bell next to him and he'd just be constantly. No, I don't see that. There's mate. no way. a Red Bull. Uh, I don't see that on, on the self improvement. The the first place that my mind went was was Chris Domagala. And and I just think if you spent three months locked down with him, similar to what you're saying, get up at you'd come out looking like he man. <laughs> I would think, die. He'd be, I would die on the first go. On the first go. No, no, but I was thinking. I was thinking from you know me personally. I would absolutely love to to live with someone who is basically paid to manage elite sports people because he would be so so furious that he couldn't do what he loved and kind of drill their you know the get the, the drills out on the, the laying out the cones and getting people doing their sprints and their drills. So. Uh, we'd, we'd be out up and down Marriott's way uh, doing all sorts of drills. So, that's, so I did think of that from a self-improvement point of view. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I would, for similar to what you said to Gibson, I think I might go for um, Jordan Hugill, um, just purely for the for the bants. I, th- I think he, he might be, I used to live with a lad from, from Borough and uh, they are mental. So <laughs> I, I think I think in terms of finding the most different things to do and be entertained by, um, yeah, I think I think he seems. I mean, he, we've I've not had the pleasure of, of meeting him. We haven't had him on the pod or anything. So um, I've, I've only I, I actually saw his cook along with uh, with Tim Crawl. That was good fun. He seems like he can cook a bit as well. We should go down well. So there you go. Right, let us look forward. We are going to play in the Premier League next season. Um, and because of that, it means that we're probably going to need to get rid of some players because they're not all going to make the step up, are they? Who do you think is definitely not going to make the step up the most, Maddie? Based on last time, Steeperman and Hernandez. And it's sad because they're great and we love them. And, you know, Onel with his Cuban cigar and his trophy. But I, I think Steeperman looked completely out of his depth. I remember particularly against Crystal Palace, uh, he just he just... Whereas in the championship, his, you know, obviously sort of gangly and lanky and you look at him and you wonder how on earth can you play football? And in the championship, he does. And he's great. And then in the Premier League, you look at him and you think, 
how on earth are you playing football? And it's it's so difficult because you feel such a sentimental attachment to these players. But even in the Premier League, that first go around, you were thinking, I, I don't think they will be here if we stay up. And neither of them have shown in the championship this season any kind of improvement that would suggest they will be ready for the Premier League next time. And then from the players that we have that haven't had a go at the Premier League, I think it's got to be Poheta. We've Obviously, he's not got much playing time this season, but I'm not sure he could handle the physicality of the Championship, let alone the physicality of the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him next season. Punt? Yeah, I'm not too happy that, that Maddie's ragging on Steepy. to be fair. <laughs> um, I get your point, um, but I think Steepy kind of had harsh run of it in the Premier League because I look back at most of the games early season where we were doing all right and I think he was playing all right he was he was he was doing okay he was in a decent rhythm the game against Manchester City I thought he he linked the play pretty well and then he let himself down later on um it's interesting you say Hernandez I thought um Hernandez was our probably our best player post lockdown but that isn't exactly a ringing endorsement of any footballer because we were absolutely shy post lockdown. So um, I think, yeah, he might struggle as well at Premier League level. So I'm kind of with you, Maddie. I'm I'm also thinking that um, it might be kind of Corey Smith syndrome for Adam Eder and Josh Martin. And we might just start to outgrow their careers a little bit, hopefully, if we continue on the trajectory that we're on. So they might need game time on a loan or, or something similar. Um, so, yeah, I think probably those two or three. Yeah, I think with, with Ida, he's thought highly of the club. Um, mm. just, you know, he did book, just score the bookend goals um, the start and the end of the season. I I could see him potentially getting a getting a loan to play. Um, I think that's it. Full, he needs to a, play. A full, a full season at yeah. a number nine, kind of Carlton Morris style, but, but I think Ida could comfortably do it in the championship at a number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that would probably hinge on us getting a really good um, potential challenger to to Pukki. Um, I, I think that um, we one hundred percent need to strengthen up front. I know you said before, Maddie, that you know every or or, or pump maybe, and um, you know we always say buy a striker in in the transfer window. But you know we, we we showed last time we cannot rely on Timu to to go after goals. I definitely would keep. Um, Hugo involved for his aerial presence which we sorely missed from defending set pieces to, to being able to we need to be able to defend a lead if we're ever going to get a lead in the Premier League um, and we, we need to have a bit more physicality I mean that was one of the things wasn't it that Weber said when we came down and he's been interestingly quiet a lot of the time and let the team when it's going well really take the take the shine and the plaudits um, which is good because he could have taken a lot more of the of the limelight over the last few months but I think with um, we, the, he mentioned the physicality. He said we were slower, we weren't big enough, we weren't physical enough. I think we need to add more physicality up front, um, and I think we that might see to go out on loan. And I agree with what you said, Maddie, in that I think Steeperman. I would love circumstances to give him the opportunity, um, but I I can see I can see the club maybe going in a different direction from him and it might be similar to Mario although they're at slightly different stages of their career Stephen's a little bit younger where it might be a case of them saying to him look you this is probably a good chance for you to get another good deal you've just won the league sort of thing with with Norwich um so maybe they they will move him on 
Um, what, what about you, Lorne? Who, who do you think isn't going to make the leap? I'm interested to see how Placetta does. I think Maddie's right in terms of expectations are fairly low given the season that he's had and the little impact that he's made in the championship. But I do think he's possibly one of those players who takes a little while to settle in and it's a kind of diamond in the rough. So I'd be interested to see how he goes. And it was interesting to see whether talk both last season and this preseason in terms of needing more physicality and more pace for the Premier League. So I think they possibly bought him with that in mind and that that's kind of a, an area of our attacking quartet at the moment that we kind of lack. It's a little bit of pace. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes, but I agree with Maddie that expectations are pretty low. Um, I saw a discussion on Twitter this week about Kenny McLean, and I think that's fair. I'm not uh, sure that he is Premier League quality. He absolutely deserves a go at it based on how well he's done this season. And how well he did last season. Again, pre-lockdown, I think he was one of the players that had the most credit. Like Manchester City game, he was absolutely superb. He's absolutely an excellent footballer. It's just whether or not he is one of the areas that is most easily upgradable. The other one that I would well, and I just no, let's just stay on Kenny because I I think this is the point. It isn't he isn't that upgradable because we've already got a massive job on our hands to to replace the the gap next to him. So Mario's gone, um, Teti isn't there anymore, and we might not have Skip. So we've lost three in the middle. Oh, so, absolutely! I wouldn't so, be selling. So. so no, no, no. But my point is, in terms of how upgradable he is, we've got someone who I would argue in the run-in, in particular, he's probably played the best football we've ever seen him play. Um, you know, he's at the peak of his career. He looks, he looks in, I mean, he looks decent in a pair of pants. He's in unbelievable shape, right? And yeah, okay, he's now smells got, a bit though. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair <laughs> enough because of the running he does. But he's got quite, a, he's got quite a. Um, uh, you know, quite a serious injury, but it's not like a you know break or something that you would suggest with you know modern operations. He's not come back to where he was, um, and so you've got him as kind of a surefire thing. And we're now, I'm I'm severely worried about as I said months before we won the league, this the skip thing. He that is such a huge hole in this team if we don't get him tied down to to, to a loan deal in the prem. So. Uh- yeah, I agree. I, I think you have Skip to have Kenny one, to, to give the other guy a chance. Skip is the one that is irreplaceable um, into or the most like in the most the highest priority to replace is obviously Skip, and that has to be the where they spend most of their time and I would assume money if they're not going to get Skip back. Punt, we're going up into the Premier League. Who do you think is going to come with us from the four in the lottery of the playoffs? Oh, it's a really interesting playoff mix this season, isn't it? It's really difficult to pick. I, I mean, it'll, look, let's be honest, it will probably be Swansea because Swansea are the team that no one will pick and the playoffs are notoriously unpredictable. Um, Brentford seem to have hit their straps at the right time, but then is their arse going to fall out again like it always seems to do in the playoffs? I think it might. We're all Barnsley, let's be honest, and I think we're all Barnsley because we've got a really reasonable chance of finishing above Barnsley. And if we don't finish above Barnsley, if they go up, then we deserve to get relegated again. Um, so I'm going to say I think it'll be Brentford, but I'd like it to be Barnsley. What do you think, Maddie? Yeah, exactly. The same as Punt. That's exactly what I've got written down. I think Brentford have Ivan Tony, and at the end of the day, as long as he can score, 
they have to be the favourites. But yeah, Barnsley, Barnsley looked really solid the both times or all three times we've played them this season. But all three times we've played them, I thought they're sort of us with a bit of the sharpness lacking. And I think that serves us really well in the Premier League if they go up with us because. Daniel Farkin knows their manager. He'll have learnt their playing style more over that we, you know, we've played them three games. They play so much like us, and I think they won't strengthen in the same way that perhaps Brentford was strengthened or Swansea or Bournemouth. So, I, from a beneficial to Norwich point of view, I want Barnsley to go up, and also we all like them. They they piss us off far less than the other three. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the um, I'm not. I agree from the, the Barnsley, less likely to be able to to nick any players that we would want. Um, don't think they're going to be able to compete with us from that side, that point of things, that side of things. Swansea, I find a bit boring. Um, they're kind of samey and that there's, you know, I haven't really got over the, the, the run of lucky penalties that they refused to acknowledge was lucky. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's something classless about Brentford and always have done. Um, grateful for Sergi Canos scoring that important goal for us a couple of years ago. But I've I've never liked them, so so yeah I, I would I would rather be Barnsley. I mean, the one team I definitely definitely don't want to come up is Bournemouth, because of the the financial element, um, and the, you know I I really really strongly would prefer them not to. And what I think is interesting is they they you know it's Brentford. There was quite a big gap. It's ten points in the end from them them to sixth, um, and uh, you know it's quite spread out a seven point gap from third to fourth they're, they're, it's very clear that they are the third best team in the league this year but we all know you know Ivo, Ivan Tony gets annoyed and gets sent off or pulls up with a sore calf or you know there's so many things that can go wrong on over 190 minutes sorry 180 minutes traditionally they play don't they um, then you could very easily find yourself not in the playoff final and doesn't matter how many goals he scores when he's on the beach. And I think he will be in the Premier League next year, whether Brentford are or not. Finally, let's round off with which game are you most looking forward to either going in person or, or the matchup? I'd quite like to go to uh, Spurs away because I didn't go to the cup game. So I'd quite like to go and tick that one off the list. Um, it's close. It looks like an incredible stadium. If they continue with Ryan Mason, it's a winnable game. And it looks like an incredible atmosphere, which is the thing that I enjoy most. So Spurs is the one that I'll kind of keep an eye out for in terms of when is that. Yeah, it's an, it is an amazing stadium. There's no way they're going to continue with Ryan Mason. Um, but, but, but yeah, <laughs> it, 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 uh, yeah I, I, I likewise would, I would like to go to the Norwich game. I'm, going, I'm probably going to go to both of the NFL games there. Because I just it's, it was I had such an incredible time when I went there before. Um, what about you, Maddie? Uh, away wise, Leicester. I mean, I've already forced you lot to ignore is that that's our official along come Norwich away day next season. I don't I know. Thought it was why. Rosenberg. Yeah, I thought we were going to Rosenberg. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty confident we we're going to Rosenberg. Well, that's well, yeah. your opinion, isn't it? I've got some news on that, but yeah, Matthew McGregor might be able to hook us up, but I'm I'm sure he'll get back to me on that. I presume we're staying with Teddy, but you know, whatever. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Well, he knows he knows that you wanted Sorensen to play instead of him. So oh, that's yeah. not well, that well. He does he does know. listen. Oh, he hates don't, me now. Don't, don't let Nick listen. Right, so you're going, Lester. 
yeah, but um, I think anyone who doesn't say that the game they're most looking forward to is the first game back is just heartless. You know, they're lying if they say that's not the game they're most looking forward to because, my God, 27,000 people all in that stadium, all cheering, all chanting. The first on-the-ball city is just going to be ridiculous. So, yeah, Leicester is my is the away game I'm most looking forward to, but I am counting down the days until we get back to Carrow Road for that first home game. How many days is it? Well, I don't know off the top of my head, Lordy, but <laughs> thanks for calling in, me out are you? She's not <laughs> I do a down. psychology degree. There's no counting in psychology. <laughs> what about maths. you, Pump? Go on, Pump. Um, I'm really, really, really looking forward to Everton away. And it's a ground that I visited a few times. It's a ground that, you know, we've got family links with. But it's also a ground that I really want to take um, my oldest Izzy to because it's a proper old school football ground and there's not many of them in the Premier League where actually the legroom is really shit but you can feel the history when you you know, when you walk in that stadium so yeah I'd definitely go for Goodison Park and it's not going to be there forever so I would implore well actually I wouldn't implore everyone to go because then I might not get a ticket but you know it is a ground that you should see it's wonderful um, and and for your benefit Maddie, you need to work out the days between the 14th and the 21st of August because depending on whether we're home or away first that will be the that will be the date. Unless well, there's Tom, I appreciate that. You also need to see into the future that COVID is going to drift away peacefully. Yeah. Could like be a League Boris, Cup game like as well. Boris, yes. Who knows? Well, you so might be variables. Locked, you might be locked down with with someone like you know might be locked down with Maxi or whatever. Maybe that's why Max Aaron's doesn't end up going to to on, on transfer because he ends up <laughs> playing FIFA and watching TikTok with Maddie. <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate it. It's time for your Long Come Norwich quiz. You have got one minute to answer six questions. Your time, Maddie, starts now. Which Scottish team are nicknamed the Steelmen? I've no idea, pass. Which Premier League team trains at Finch Farm? West Brom? No, name, and they're not Premier League anymore. Name a Dutchman to have scored more Premier League goals than Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, I don't have a clue. You're asking me questions about football, mate. Yeah. Uh, name a Chelsea <laughs> player to have scored two or more Champions League goals this season. Uh... Plus, we'll get back onto that. Okay. Which two clubs have both won seven English Second Flight League Championships? Seven English Second Flight? Sheffield so what Wednesday? We've just done. No. Name a West Brom player to get an England cap this century. This century, my God, West Brom. Uh, no, pass. Okay, Scottish team nicknamed the Steelmen. Is that Motherwell? It is. Which mother? Which Fine. Premier League team? Okay, so you got one. Well done, <laughs> mate. I told you, I know nothing about football outside of Norwich. Okay, um, so you should know a Dutchman, I think. Well, I don't. You know, I, I only got into football like four years ago, so yeah, anything can't be many. None of my business. There can't be many that have scored more. And your dad's well, a Man United fan. Yeah, and... well, that one you should get. Yeah, if that, it those, is, if indeed that is the right answer, <laughs> two of them. Go on, and show um, me, show me my ignorance, lads. Okay, so the well, Premier League team is uh, who trains Everton. at Finch Farm is Everton. Um, you could have had RVP or RVN for uh, the Dutchmans, or you could Van have had Jimmy... Van Nistelrooy, Yeah, or you could have had Hasselbank. 
Um, Van Persie got 144 Premier League goals. Um, I have to beg my dad not to listen to this. The, che- the Chelsea players are basically listen. The Chelsea players are basically fucked? everyone. <laughs> um, you know, Giroud, Werner, Hudson Odoi. Um, I just couldn't think of a Chelsea player. All I could think of was um, Timo Werner, and I have a feeling he hasn't scored anything. He scored four. He scored four, so he could have had him. Um, (laughs) And then you could have had Man City or your favourites, Leicester, um, as the teams have won the most second flights. Uh, And then anyone care to go for a West Brom player? A couple of goalkeepers. Paul Robinson. Yeah, I was going to say Paul Robinson. Not this. Not this. uh, Not this decade. Oh, this decade. Said this century. Sorry, not not not. Well, not neither. Not this century or this decade. Yes, yes, Ben Foster. Yeah. Okay. Someone who's a bit like Paul Robinson. Sorry, Scott, what? Car- Scott Carson, and then yeah. most recently, and then most Robinson? most recently, Jake Livermore. Right then, Lorne, your time starts now. Which Scottish team are nicknamed the Buddies? Uh, pass. Name a Northern Irishman to have scored more than uh, ten league goals, Premier League goals. Uh, David Healy. Uh, Premier League, no. Um, who was the last number nine for Leeds in the Premier League before Bamford? Um, Lee Chapman. No. Name a Ukrainian player to have won at least oh. two Champions League medals. <laughs> no, I can only think of Mark Viduka. Uh Pass. Uh, which Premier pass. League club changed... Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark Viduka's right. Um, which Premier League club trains at Staplewood? Uh, lovely name, that. Pass. Uh, name a scorer of a Leicester City hat-trick other than Vardy uh, in the Premier League. Harvey Barnes? Oh, ever? No, in the Premier League. Harvey Barnes. Well, yeah, in the Premier League, but, but ever but known. Um, and then we're going back to the Scottish team, nicknamed the Buddies. Um, Slime. Yeah, fuck that. So you yeah, got Viduka. Um... Uh, I mean, I presume you were going. That was for the Leeds number nine, rather than a Northern Irishman to score ten Premier League goals. I remember that Leeds weren't last in the Premier League in '92-'93. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you've got. You could have gone for Johnny Evans, uh, Gareth McCauley, Jim McGilton, Keith Gillespie, Stephen Davis, Chris Brunt, Ian Dowie, uh, with the more than ten Premier League goals. Um, Johnny Evans all... has scored more than ten Premier League goals. Thirteen. Ian Dowie. Dowie, I'd have, yeah, bloody hell. Dowie scored 33. Yeah, yeah, I'd have thought about that. Um, right, and then the Ukrainians, obviously Shevchenko. I was going to say, yeah. You could have Timoshuk as well, Ukraine um, for, for Bayern Munich. Um, and uh, which Premier League club just trains at Staplewood? No idea. Southampton. And Premier League hat tricks: Ian Marshall, Stan Collymore, Riyad Mahrez, which is what I thought you might get. Perez and Ianacho. Um They've all scored Premier League hat tricks. I knew Ianacho. I was okay. going to say Ianacho, but I felt like it was too obvious because he's okay. been on such good form recently. <laughs> right. Okay. Don't so, say the obvious answer. This is a part no. of the quiz. Yeah. Uh, do, do me, Lornie, Can you time? Because I always yeah. fuck it up when I'm trying to right. concentrate. Right. Right. Your, your, yours are a bit harder. Cheers, so, boy. <laughs> your time punt starts now which scottish team are nicknamed the dune hammers the what the dune hammers um caledonian thistle no name a fulham premier league hat-trick scorer um louis saha no name a finnish player to have won a champions league medal um yari lipmanen correct which premier league team trains at darsley park no idea pass name an american to win a football league cup medal 
League Cup. Um, Tim Howard. Correct. Emil Heskey is the youngest Premier League debutant at which club? Leicester. Correct. Which Scottish team are nicknamed the Doonhammers? Don't know. I'm never going to get that. Um, yeah, pass. Your previous guess was good. Um, name of Fulham Premier League hat-trick scorer? Um, Clint Dempsey. Uh, yes. Uh, which Premier League team trains at Darsley Park? No. I mean, I'm never going to get these two Just answers, guess a Premier so... League. Just guess a Premier League team. Um, uh, Arsenal. No. Um, that's London Colney. Uh, name an American to win... Oh, no. Hey, no name an American to... Oh. Yeah, you weren't going to get that. Fucking hard. Fucking hard. Well, there's only two left. <laughs> um, Newcastle at Darsley Park, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Nice and then knowledge, Dude Matt. Hammers. Is that Queen of the South? It is Queen of the South, Madster. You've got, the wrong, you've got the wrong questions, Maddie. <laughs> so you've got three out of six, is that right? So I've you've got, got four, didn't I? You've got Clint, Clint Depsey, Larry Lippman, and Leicester Larry. City. Uh, you, you didn't get any others. Well, I only had two left, didn't I? Oh yeah, that's what I thought. Well, no, hang on, because you didn't get you didn't get you didn't get Queen of the South, and you didn't get Newcastle, and you didn't get the Football League Cup person. So you must have got three. I did. I got the Football League Cup. Tim Howard. Howard. Oh yeah, well done. You got four. (laughs) But but the thing is, you you would have won anyway because everyone else only got one. Um, But as you know, um, points don't mean anything until we get to the tiebreaker. So um, I'll let you go first on the tiebreaker this week, um, punt, because you did win by such a long distance. Um, How many Peters? Have won England caps since World War Two. Hang on, first name or surname? Uh, no, first name. So their name is Peter. So Martin okay. doesn't listen. Yeah. And, oh right. no, no. I've just seen that Martin is in the list. So it's Peter. There's only one Peters. There's only one Peter as a surname. Everyone else, it's Peter as a first name. But, but Sorry, Martin Peters it, is one. When's it since? Uh, World War Two. You might need to tell Maddie what date that was. Yes, <laughs> very good. So I can think, hang on, Bonetti, Crouch, Martin Peters. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go, oh, Peter Shilton. Probably want to erase him from history with his Brexit views. Um, let's go for 19. Yeah, they don't actually take England caps away from you because they you should vote do. the wrong way. <laughs> should do. Okay. Um, what about well, you, Just Lorne? a few because he's still the top. Oh, is he still the top caps? He was like Brexit, 125. Yeah. 125 yeah. is, is bang right, yeah. So, good night. Did knowledge. Punk go 19? He went 19, yeah. Peter. So he named five and then went 19. Yeah, because <laughs> I'll miss loads. Well, I don't think you will. I'm going to go seven. Okay. No, I think Punt is that is proper close there. I, f- I feel like there's been loads of Peters, so I'm going to go like 21. The answer is 19. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> The so, luck. so it's no, Peter. No, 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 it's not luck. Oh, sorry, He's... pure skill. If he, no. if he, if he didn't do it so often, like, didn't you guess like almost the exact attendance of someone? Yeah. like the other week as well. Yeah. So every got... single week. Peter Shilton, Martin Peters, Peter Beardsley, Peter Crouch, Peter Barnes, Peter, Peter Story, Peter Swan, Peter Thompson, Peter Reed, Peter White, Peter Benetti, Peter Broadbent, Peter Osgood, Peter Taylor, Peter Brabuck, Peter Sillett, Peter Harris, Peter Davenport, and Peter Ward. Where did you get that question from? You know uh, where so, we got it from. That Every is mental. Week you win the quiz. 
No way. There's only one explanation for that. I got I got it from the quiz book we share. (laughs) 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 That you you revised from. Okay, so that brings us to the end of another season of Along Come Norwich Nonsense. Um, Keep an eye on the socials because we have got those two fantastic shirts. And and if you still fancy it, Tim Krull's one is available. You just need to come up with 600 quid for some fantastic causes. Um, So, yeah, keep an eye on the socials for that. Um, we will be back to preview the Premier League season. If something catastrophic or really, really positive happens during the summer, then naturally we'll jump online and have a chat about it. Um, go and get the fanzine because it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so get yourself onto alongcomenorwich.com and, and get looking at that. Um, but other than that, all it leaves me to say now is Maddie. Thank you so much for joining us with your looking backness and your wonderful unsung heroes and, and various different moments. Lorne, thank, Lorne, thank you so much for, other than being nasty to Maddie, um, joining in. It's so nice to ride with you again. Hopefully we can get you on a few more times next season. May I say thank you for a wonderful season of hosting and editing for which you only give yourself enough credit for. Nobody else gives you credit for. <laughs> I do keep I do keep texting myself to say, well, the mate from my burner phone. <laughs> that is yeah. right. You've been um, the best Along Come Knowledge podcast host this season. Go on. And acknowledge I exist. Go on. Punt. Go on. I acknowledge you exist. Every, everybody else, enjoy your summer. And remember, we're champions. And remember... We might come down again, but remember, that's okay because we'll go up as champions again. Mind, there you go.